everyone, and welcome to Minute 76 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Brian Lockhart of Hamilton Shot by Shot. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Well, you, you did such a fine job the last two seasons. I figured I'd, I'd bring you back a little bit, you know, uh, uh We'll, we'll we'll see what you have to say today about uh, you know burning cars and, uh, and uh, toast you know yeah. and toast yeah and and axes and and C four plastic explosives or something like that maybe you know may, maybe you have some sort of uh, anecdote about that type of thing also who knows who knows <laughs> we'll yeah, find we'll, out we'll have to wait and see exactly so minute seventy six begins with a massive explosion that envelops the RV and ends with a shot of C4 plastic explosives. So we ended things on, on Friday with Hans giving the order to shoot the RV. So Alexander and James, you know, put in, put in their little missile in their, uh, uh, in, in their, I don't I mean, what type of, were you able to recognize the, the, the weapon they use there? No, is that I really supposed didn't. to? Be, is it like supposed to be like a stinger or something like that? Yeah, I figured it was a stinger missile, but with like a stationary, um, like base, you know. Yeah, I mean that's, they, that's, they put it, they put it together really one. coolly. There's, yeah. there's no question about that. But still, you know, the the idea is is that, uh, you know, I mean, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it, it a little later in this minute. But I, I have a problem with the angle that they shoot shoot it at. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, so basically, you know, Alexander shoots at the RV on Friday, and he has a direct hit. And today we start off with a uh, shot of the RV on fire, which it's really cool to see how how they did it. You know, the the way that that explosion. I mean, there's a lot of pyrotechnics that they're they're using here for this one. No question oh, yeah. about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, at this point. We we get a shot of Theo, who is overly excited about everything going on, and he screams, "Oh my God! The quarterback is toast." Classic line of this movie for sure. Definitely for sure. You know, I I, I actually wanted to see if I if that's ever been used elsewhere. You know, so obviously when I did a search, it kept coming up. Die Hard, no question about that. That's the <laughs> right. uh, that 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 was the the number one through probably fifty hits. You know, of, of of looking for that phrase, but I actually found another one, and it it actually says that the quarterback is toast is a term for a leader or politician that gets caught in a situation and is forced to resign or retire. Hmm. Okay, and they they give a uh, an example here. They say after the city's police chief's extramarital affairs just got exposed to the public, he was forced to resign due to pressure from the citizens of the city. A talk radio host proclaimed, oh my God, their quarterback is toast. <laughs> so uh, personally, I think that is probably, I, I don't know when that quote is from, but it probably means that the talk radio guy has seen Die Hard. I yes. think <laughs> there's, there's more of a chance. The yeah, point. if he just said the quarterback is toast, fine. But in fact, if he said, oh, my God, and then the quarterback is toast, yes, that yeah. was a direct quote from Die Hard. My, yeah. my guess is it was, I mean, without researching it, I always just assumed that you might have heard somebody say that during Monday Night Football or, you know, the Super Bowl at some point. I, I would imagine that just if the quarterback gets sacked, 
I, I always just assumed that's what he meant. You know, he's doing the play by play. Yeah. Well, he, as as we've mentioned numerous times, Theo likes to use sports analogies. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, right, right before they he sh- they shoot the, the the guard at the beginning, he starts talking about you know the the you know the the Lakers, and and there's another point in the movie where he talks about something that that's uh, he uses a sports analogy. I can't remember offhand right now what it is, but obviously there's this one too. Right. So. All right, he's he's a sports guy. He's a sports geek, <laughs> I guess you can say. Do you th- do you think uh, this this was ad libbed by uh, Clarence Gilliard, or do you think this is in the script? I think it's in the script. All right, well you're gonna have to wait and like everyone else to, uh, to the end of this episode to find out if it's in the script or if it isn't. All right, who knows? Then. Yeah. So um, at this point, we we get another. Uh, then we get the shot moves. For us to see the the SWAT commander again, and you hear him say, "All right, all right," and right next to him we have our, our good friend uh, Dwayne T. Robinson that goes, "Get him out of the car, let's go." And then the you know is do you think he's he's trying to help here, or do you think you know like what what do you think Robinson's motivations are here? Do you think he really wants to help the the guys who are apparently burning in the car, or is he just doing it for political gain? No, I, I kind of get the impression he does care about the men i do think he is a i think he's aware of of the optics of everything that's going on for sure uh but i i did get the impression that this this is my overall impression of him he was concerned about the guys he wants somebody to go get them he will not be the one to run into the fire to go get them right he's scared that's what that's how i took his character right he doesn't want to necessarily go into the fire but he's willing to send other people to take him out <laughs> correct <laughs> yes you know, the, 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 you know, as, as, as you and I both know, you know, one of the things that they teach you in the military is the best leader is, is a leader that you can follow by example. And, uh, Dwayne T. Robinson is not one of those. <laughs> yes. There's, that is there's no question about that. He's, you know, he's, he's, he likes sitting on those sidelines. Go back to those sports analogies here. <laughs> you know, and at this point, the SWAT commander, uh, talks into his, uh, radio and goes, hang on, Rivers. That's an order, you know, trying to, to you know, they're, they're not going to go in. That's the idea here. And then uh, we Which see. Which was the right call. It, was, yeah, it ends, yeah. ends up being the right call. <laughs> yeah. Again, in, in certain military situations, which you can consider this a military situation, you don't always, you know, it, it, not every situation is a saving private Ryan situation, you know, <laughs> where, where the needs of the one outweigh the, the needs of the many. As Spock said it, uh, you know, perfectly right. that uh, it, it works the other, it works the other way around <laughs> and getting uh, Rivers and uh, Rodriguez or yeah, Rodriguez out, uh, that, that's not top priority right now, you know, and then we, we get a shot of, of Hans, who is, is quite calm and he takes his radio and he goes, hit it again. Mm-hmm. And at this point, uh, we get a shot again of, of McLean, who wants to join, join in, and he's trying to, to stop things. I mean, it's, it, I find it funny that they're having this conversation on an open line with everyone. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of times where we'll probably, I think we'll mention a few times this week, where there's certain conversations which obviously you prefer not to have in public, but they're still having them in public. Yeah. You know, like, why doesn't Hans just change the radio frequency that they're using? I think he wanted him to know, hit it again. He's he knows that hey, we did this. 
and we got more where that came from. I think I think that was purposeful to prove a point. No, obviously it was to prove a point. The question was, does he is he trying to prove the point to the police? Yes, because we yes. we sort of I, I figure so. out that they only ha- they only have you know uh, two or three missiles. They don't have that many missiles here. But if they do, or at least what we saw. Right. What well, we see, see. But, but if he says hit it again and then he I, it doesn't he, he hit some even like what we see like three hits. Right. Total. We you see know, that, two hits. We only two see hits. two hits. All right. Yeah. So at that point, though, the cops don't know if they have any, any more. You know, right. they so it's it, even if he wasted all of them right then and there, they don't know that. And they'll Correct. be they're definitely going to be too too afraid to, to, you know, to to go in the way they attempted this time. Right. Direct assault. So. Correct. They're, they're out. They're overpowered. I mean, that's yeah. all there is to it. Yeah. They're again. They're they're th- this whole th- this whole plot that that Hans has has figured out is 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 a is is a ploy. You know, it's not it's not real. So for him to th- this is I usually sort of say it's a placebo. You know, they're yeah. they're they're yeah. trying to make them think other things than what they, what what's really going on. You know, that's what it comes down to in, in the bottom line. So you're right. If Even if they, they use up all their missiles right away, who cares? No one on the outside knows that they've used up their missiles. Right. So, okay, I can, I can understand that. And then McLean screams into the radio, Hans, you motherfucker, you made your point. Let him pull back. And you could see Hans. Now, Alan Rickman does a great job throughout this entire movie where he doesn't show any emotion in anything that he does. But you can get a sense by his response right now that he's he's getting a little annoyed with with uh, McLean. Yes, you know, and that he's he's getting a little bit more bloodthirsty. There are there are some times as the the movie goes on, and probably even this week, um, that he you could tell, like you said, his frustration, his annoyance, and he's running out of patience. Um, so yeah, he is, you know, calm, cool, collected most of the times, but. Some of some of this frustration does start to show here, and it, it, you know, and I think it starts here because of what's going on, you know. Right. But yeah, but I I think as the movie goes on, you'll see that he's not always as cool. The plan's still the plan, and he's still doing the plan, and he's still he's still really smart, and and can you know manipulate the situation, you know, as as needed. But you can sense his his annoyance at the very least, and his frustration. Um, as as it goes on, yeah, there's no question about that. And so then Hans's response is, "Thank you, Mister Cowboy. I'll take it under advisement." <laughs> That's a great line too. <laughs> it's not like it's something you would quote, but he's so good when he says it. That Alan yeah. Rickman's a pretty good actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he's he's great not. when yeah. he does, when he's, he does that. Yeah, and he's great as a um, he's he's really good as a villain. He's great as Hans. Yeah. And at this point, McLean, we, we get a shot of McLean, and he can see that that he can't. He he realizes that he's lost the battle verbally. There's nothing that he can do to or say to stop Hans. So you see him in the room. He starts looking around, trying to find some other solution. And then he sees an office chair. He grabs the office chair, and then I love how he pulls it across the room. You know, lets it let, lets it uh, you know roll along in the in the wheels, and then he takes the the bag of explosives and puts it on it. And then the next shot, we see him. Uh, we see we see a fire axe in a you know in an enclosed uh, case you know on the wall. We see him break the glass and take the fire axe out. 
So what do you, what do you know about fire axes? Or axes in general? Um, they're sharp. They can be heavy. Um, we used to have one in the in the Marines to destroy the equipment if uh, we ever got overrun. And my buddy said that he used to he wasn't going to destroy any equipment. He was going to put put the axe in people's heads if they came tried to overrun us. But you know, that's about all I know. All right, he, he, wouldn't, he probably wouldn't be able to get into too many of them. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, no. It was, you know, definitely we we had one on a like it was like a burn board or something. So it was like you just destroy stuff to make sure that you know, right, stuff doesn't fall into the wrong hands if you were ever faced with that. But um, yeah, I don't, I do, I don't do a lot of Paul Bunyan, you know, axe chopping. Um, I I will split some wood in my backyard from time to time, like a man's man, uh, for a fire. But other than that, um. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, an axe guy. Not really. Right. Okay. Well, I've, I've, I never used an axe in my life up until recently. Uh, as, as you know, uh, about a month ago, I was, I was in the States and mm-hmm. I actually took my 17 year old son to, uh, a place where they, they let you do axe throwing for an hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. Was, it was really cool. It was a yeah. lot of fun. You know, we, 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 I think it was like 30, but the place was called the, uh, I think buried the hatchet. Mm. Where they got a whole, they got like tons of them all over, all over the states. We went to a place in New Jersey, and it's thirty bucks a person for an hour. You know, where you just sit there, and so we got like a five minute instruction on how to use. They they gave us two types of of axes. They they gave us tomahawks, and uh, I'm trying to remember the other one that they gave us. And it's like a hand axe. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact name. There probably is a. a a name for it or whatever. It's like it's like a hatchet, but I, there might be something. Yeah, like no, that's what oh, that's the word I was yeah. looking for. Okay, so they give us a hatchet and a tomahawk. I think that's yeah. what it was. And uh, you know, you got a bullseye and stuff like that. And and after we had our five minutes of them of, of the guy, you know, explaining to us, you know, safety and all that stuff, uh, we just had a lot of fun just just playing games with it. They gave us like a a whole bunch of like options, like ten different options of different games you can play. Oh, nice. You know, you can play like Hangman and you can play, you know, like the whole idea is, is that when you hit what if you miss, yeah, you know, they, they, if you're with a group of people, so whoever has the lowest number, so they get, they, you know, you start doing the Hangman for them and stuff like that. It was just a lot of fun. You know, it was something that I, that I was very trepidatious about when, when it was originally suggested to me to do something like this. But, you know, once I did it, I was like, wow, this was just so much fun. It's not something I'll go do every day, even though they have leagues. You know, they had like right, signs. Right. They they literally had signs there. You know, people can sign up for 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 axe throwing leagues and, and well, it's like stuff it's like, like darts. That. It's like darts. You know. It's, uh, it's okay. Like, yeah, it's a little. So, you know, yeah, a little more, a little more in depth and a little hard. A little more intense. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but you know, it's kind of like you know more manly darts if you if you want. Yeah, if you yeah, that's that. true. So it it was a lot of fun. So I, I recommend to people if you're you're if you're looking for a fun activity. You know, you can you can try and find a place like Bury the Hatchet. Maybe they'll, uh, you know, and have a little bit of fun with that type of thing. I, I think it can also be very addictive for people. So you yeah. should be careful with that. that. <laughs> I, you but, know, I took uh, my, you know, my family went to a like it was like a Revolutionary Day camp or something like that. Um, okay. So it was like it was American Revolution stuff. And it was, uh, the, you know, they did all sorts of demonstrations and. The reason I bring it up is one of the things they did was they had tomahawks and, and hatchets that you could throw. And my uh, my kid was doing that, and he's like a natural, <laughs> like he just he like the you know they had to they had to 
people dressed up. Well, they were actually they actually had some natives there, but then they also had some people dressed up like natives, which you know wow. may not be okay or not. But <laughs> uh, and but they were demonstrating it for him, and then he did it, and it was like the kid was a natural. I'm like this, <laughs> like of course he did was better than me, and he's like a young kid, so um, you know he's not signed up for any leagues. I think he's too young for it. But it was it was kind of neat to like that's exactly what people used to you know people yeah. would do that. That was one because they had other games from that era. You know, right. and it was like that's something people would do, and it was uh, it was right, like in, like in Braveheart, you know, they they had you know they were yeah. they, were, they were like throwing well, no they're throwing rocks rocks Isn't that what they yeah. were doing yeah it was a, yep yeah. yeah there's a place around here that it's actually it's a Scottish farm it's owned by a Scottish family and it's like a farm and they do the Highlander games every year oh and wow. they do all that stuff from Braveheart I've always wanted to go because um it's like so. I, I, my family, I have some an Irish family that's uh, McCray, and my grandmother used to tell me, well, actually, we were the Macrays first, except we uh, backed the wrong Scottish lord and had to flee to Ireland. And I have the DNA evidence to prove that, yeah, well, I have so much Scottish in me, it's not even crazy. Uh, but but it's funny because that farm in where I live is actually Macray Farm, and I'm like, I got to go there. You know, it's, these are my people. Oh, wow. That's really <laughs> I've cool. I've never been. I've never been. But anyways, that's that has nothing to do with Die Hard. Doesn't have to do with Die Hard. We're talking about axes. There you go. <laughs> and so basically, an axe is an implement that's been used for for many millennia to shape, split, cut wood to harvest timber. It's sometimes used as a weapon or as a ceremonial or heraldic symbol. Okay, they they used to make them out of stone, the like the heads was made out of stone and then they started using copper and bronze iron and now they mostly use steel to to to, to use them uh and so i decided to also look up about uh about a fire axe in particular right so a fire axe which is also known as a pickhead axe it has a pick-shaped pointed pole which is the area of head opposite the cutting edge it is often decorated in vivid colors to make it easily visible during an emergency. Its primary use is for breaking down doors and windows or elevator shafts. You know. <laughs> Propping them open anyways. Yeah, exactly. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But uh, no, I mean, I, I like the fact that, that we see that it's a red act. You know, it is something, you know, as, as they mentioned in this little thing that I just read, you know, that, that usually they want to make it easier uh it more visible in uh in situations where you you're not going to be thinking straight you know like when you're you've just taken a uh, uh an office chair and put uh, explosives on it you know that kind of thing i would think and, you're thinking straight then yeah well it depends on who <laughs> <laughs> and at this point he takes the axe and we see him you know chop into the elevator door itself you know, which it always made me wonder why he's doing that. You know, is that the only way he's able to get the door open by 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 putting an axe through it? I mean, again, this is a steel uh, elevator door. What do you think he's doing? He's like, you know, putting the axe in there so that he can try and pull it open. I guess. Or, I mean, that that that's the only thing that makes the most sense. But I I thought you'd be able to push pull those open you know on your own i swear i've seen other movies where the people just open it and i i want i want i'm trying to think if i've ever done that in real life unless but maybe because it's um like maybe the, is the power out on that level i i, I can't i'm not sure so 
I don't know if maybe that's why, like, the doors aren't operational, so you really had a wedge in between them to get it, like, enough leverage to open it. I, I don't know. Right. But I, I assume that's what he's trying to do. He's trying yeah. to, you know, force it to open and then, yeah. you know, get, get get some space. And then I was I was looking to see him, you know, make a few shots in there, you know, not just yeah. one shot. Right. You know, I'd forgotten that there was only one shot. It's not like in Titanic, you know, where take the axe to, you know, to break the uh, – uh, break the handcuffs. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they, they, I, I like the fact that they at least show us what he's doing with the axe. You know, not completely, but we get an idea of what he's doing with, doing with it. And then we, we go back to Hans, and he gives his order, and he goes, fire! Now, what's really funny is, is that, you know, he just said 10 seconds earlier, hit it again. So what, why, you know, besides because we needed it in the plot, you know, like wh- what would be Hans's reasoning to pause for 10 seconds before telling them to fire? He said hit it again, and then he tells them to fire. You think he's given them time to load it up, or it's just a, this is just all because the movie needed it? Well, I assume it's because the movie needed it, but I think that's maybe why I assumed there was three separate shots, you know, what like, like he said, fire that was meant to be one. And then now we're getting another, like a third hit it again. But I think you're right. I think it is the movie needs to, he's telling him to hit it again, meaning probably get ready, but hit it again should just be enough of an order, but maybe it's just to give Hans that, you know, he's such a good, you know, leader, bad guy, you know, and, and Alan Rickman, such a good presence. Just him saying fire is, um, I don't know. It's just to show that he's the one in charge and he's the one that, you know, McLean ultimately should be, you know, mad at, you know, and, and upset with because he's the given the orders. I right. Guess. Yeah. No, I was trying to, to, to figure that out also myself. So, yeah, he screams fire. And then, you know, we we see the, the at this point, that's when Alexander makes the second shot and the angle just I don't buy it. I don't buy the angle of where he's shooting. He's on the third floor. He's shooting from three floors up. And, you know, he's pretty much shooting straight down. Right, right. You know, I, I, I remember when I was when I was in basic training and, you know, they, they, they were teaching us about the uh, M203, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what they basically said is you cannot shoot it uh, in a straight – you can't shoot it straight. You have to shoot it at an angle. You know, right. you have to have like a, uh, what's it called? The parabol- parabolis. I'm trying to remember the, the right, the, my, my right mathematical, uh, ge- geometric, <laughs> uh, term here. You know, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to shoot it at an angle so that it, it can, it can fly at an angle. It doesn't go straight. Right. And I was like, wait a second. But in every movie that I've seen where someone's used it, like in Predator or whatever it is, Predator, they just, yeah. all they do is they shoot it and it goes straight. And uh, then. Yeah. You know, my, my commander started laughing and he goes, okay, that's why that's a movie and right. this is real life. You have to shoot it, you know, so that, that it has a curve in order yeah, to, to make the shot. So, right. It, yeah. You know, fun fact, actually, the same weapons that they used in Predator were the same weapons they used in Heartbreak Ridge and they did the same thing in Heartbreak Ridge. They shot straight and blew stuff up. They never, like, angled it up or, you know, like right. like, like you're supposed to do. Anyway, sorry. Go right. ahead. Have you have you ever shot an M203? Uh, I've shot a couple dummy rounds and then uh, we actually did a, they actually had, it was new at the time. It was, um, a simulated, uh, 
uh, on the computer. Like we, oh wow, they, they had a giant screen. They they had uh, a simulated, um, uh, like a cable running to it, and it so it knew when you pulled the trigger, and it knew like how you were pointing the weapon, and it would give you like you would lob up towards like these tanks that were coming at us to see you know how close you got to them. Um, but I and I did a couple dummy like oh wow yeah no I only like I only shot a few dummy yeah. rounds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never never got to shoot any real ones. A friend of mine no. always had his weapon. He he got the M203, so he was able to. He actually got to shoot the real thing numerous times, you know, during the home training exercises and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, I was, I was always these... I was always very jealous of that because yeah. I always loved the M203. That was like yeah, it's awesome. you know, for me that was that was that would be my weapon of choice, you know. Nice. But that but that's partially because of you know Predator and. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge and all that stuff where they're shooting it directly, you know, but once, once I learned that you really can't do that, (laughs) right. It's a little bit of a problem, but yeah. So, so basically they, they make the shot, but again, if you look at it, he's shooting straight down. There's, I don't know. You know, I mean, we talked about it on Friday that it was good that it's at least good that James moves out of the way. You know, they don't have him standing behind it where all the, you know, where, where you have all the, the, the what's called backwash. Yeah, the backwash. Know, the yeah. backwash. Yeah. Right. And now he, when he does it, he also breaks another window. Why Why does he break the window again? Yeah, I wonder, he's not hitting again. You figured it well set, but I wonder, are they, were they trying to get a better angle, a different angle, hit a different vehicle? I, I don't, I really don't know. No, they're hitting the same what? vehicle that they're doing. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> But the fact that the, the the window shatters, you know, and again they 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 bolted it to the ground, so it's not as if, you know, there he sh- he moved to a different position to shoot again. Yeah. He's in the same exact position, so maybe maybe it's just a, a reused shot that it should have been from the first shot as opposed to the second one. When they yeah. edited it in, they they changed it because I'm trying to remember if on Friday we saw uh, the the glass shatter in there. Not really sure. I have a feeling that we didn't, and that probably makes a lot more sense. That this yeah, is the same shot, you know. Yeah, just a continuity mistake. Yeah, right. Um, and I, when I look back and I see, oh no, he breaks the glass there also. Wow. <laughs> so it's it's this the same shot. <laughs> it's the exact same shot. That's funny. It's just from one's a close up and the. The shot from Friday, it's further away, but the the shot today is uh, that's really funny. He he that's breaks funny. the glass twice. Wow, I never, I didn't even think about that. Even when I was when I was doing my research for this episode, I didn't even think to check that. Hmm. Wow. So yeah, uh, there's a continuity error here. <laughs> <laughs> but we we love continuity errors. Because it gives you something to talk about. Yeah. It gives us well, not just that. It's just fun to to find these little things, you know. Whether whether it it, it makes the movie still interesting to watch, you know. I I wouldn't say that it's less interesting that way. And Alexander once again has a direct hit on the uh, on the RV, and there's tons of smoke and fire coming out of the whole thing here. And then the the shot changes, and we. We see McLean, but we see the shot is from within the elevator shaft, looking up mm-hmm. at uh, at him, and it, it's a great shot because it, it it establishes once again 
you know, that you have this empty elevator shaft that is very high up. Right. You know, and, and he has where to go with the, you know, what, if, if he decides to, to do something with it, who knows? <laughs> and so at this point, you know, we see that, that as John is opening up the, the, the door, right? And then at this point, I love how he takes the axe and wedges it in between the two doors to, to yeah. keep them open. You know, but, but we don't see on either of the doors the, the axe marks. You know, as they say, uh, axe marks the spot, you know, that type of thing. But is that, is that what they say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to be punny as they say, but apparently not. <laughs> I tried, I tried. <laughs> and John like looks down and he goes, fuck me. <laughs> he's, yeah. he shouldn't be that surprised. He's, he's already looked down that far before. You know, when he was when he was climbing out of the grate, you know, and was in the shaft. So he saw how far down it goes. You know, back back a few weeks ago when when he went into the air conditioning unit and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we counted how many seconds it took for the grate to fall down. I think it was like seven seconds or something, which means that it was really, really far. So, you know, it's 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 interesting to see that that he surprised once again about how far down it is, you know, that type of thing. And then uh, the shot goes back outside. We, we see Robinson again and he goes, let's go get him out of the car. Don't you know they're burning? And I, again, it goes back to the question that I asked earlier. Is he, is he trying to be heroic here or is he generally concerned? You know, like what's, or, or is he just concerned about what's going to be on the news tomorrow? You yes, know, all uh, of it, all of it, but I don't think being heroic. Yeah, no. I don't think he's being heroic. I no. think he's he's doing what a leader should say, you know, go help them, you know, um, you know, and I do think he is, again, aware of the optics of everything that's going on. Um, I think he's doing what he thinks he's supposed to do. But I, it's this particular scene where I'm like, he's not running forward to help. He's literally like, you go do do that. And you and you can almost I, I got the impression he was legit scared. Like I, I thought. But scared, um, scared was in what way? Yeah. Scared that that something that like, that it's going to affect his job. No, I, I think he was he would be scared to go out and and also get blasted. So oh, somebody sure. go help them. You know, I I am legit concerned for these men burning. Go help them. I will not be put be the one putting myself in danger to do it though. Mm-hmm. That that's that's how I took it. You know, because like he's staying behind that car. Right. That's what I think. Okay. No, that that, that that's definitely fair. You know he's he's sort of hiding, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it 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 does make sense, yeah. And then we we get a shot of the the RV burning, and then they they pan to the left, and we see two of the injured SWAT guys, you know, writhing around, screaming in pain. Um, and there's like a third guy who's who's like trying to to, to help them. You know, maybe trying to bandage them up or whatever it is. And at this point, we go back and we get another shot of John, and he he uh, puts the the explosives directly on the chair. Now we see the the C four, you know that that he puts in there. He flips it over, and when he flips over the 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 explosives, then we can see that it says on it C four. You know, 
So what do you what do you know about C4? Um, you know, that's you know, there's such thing as a silly putty, and if there's anything called serious putty, it's going to be C4. Oh, that's good. I never thought about that one. Other than that, I know it's, it, you know, it's it's explosive. So I know that James Bond uses toothpaste, C4 toothpaste to you know blow up windows and stuff. Oh, I think he uses um, C4 toothpaste to, to brush his teeth. No, 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 no. That's just to smuggle it in and then blow other stuff up. So, yeah, I mean, it's and and, and C4 comes up a lot in movies. Um, I mean, I know it's real, but but yeah. yeah uh, I, I, do you know why it comes up uh, so much in movies? Do you no. have any any idea? Like, what would no. what would be your reason? I, I don't know the answer. I'm just trying to think. Why would you think that they use it? Is it is it because maybe it's a a simple form of explosives? Yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's probably something maybe, you know, I think people at this point are, you know, savvy enough to know that C4 is an explosive. It's not dynamite. You know, it's like not, we're not in the old days, you know, where we're doing dynamite, dynamite in the mines, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but also, I imagine, I mean, I imagine they sometimes use that for some of their actual pyrotechnics. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not a special effects guru or stunt guy, but maybe that's just something that is used in real life for what we see. You know, I, I don't know. I, I never okay. really put a lot of thought or research into it, honestly. To tell well, you that's, what I, well that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so here we go. So C4 is, is, is composition C4. It's a common variety of plastic explosives uh, known as composition C, which uses RDX as its explosive agent. C4 is composed of explosives, plastic binder, uh, plasticizer, to make it malleable and usually a marker or odorizing tagant uh, chemical. C4 has a texture similar to modeling clay and can be molded into any desired shape. C4 is metastable and can be detonated only by the shock wave from a detonator or blasting cap. Okay, so I, I, I guess that makes a little more sense as to why, you know, you don't have to worry about handling C4. You know, like right. a lot of times you'll see in, in movies and TV shows about, uh, you know, people carrying dynamite and you got to be careful. It's going to blow up on you or something like that, you know, but yeah, nitroglycerin D4, is unstable and it'll, you know, exactly. don't drop it. Yeah. yeah but apparently yeah. C4 is, is not as uh, volatile from that yeah. perspective. You have to worry about uh, uh, C4 was actually they started creating it in 1956 and they got a patent for it on March 31st, 1958 from the Phillips Petroleum Company. Hmm. Okay, and it can't be detonated by a gunshot or by dropping it onto a hard surface. Uh, it does not explode when it's set on fire or exposed to microwaves. Detonation can only be initiated by a shockwave, such as when a detonator inserted into it is fired. When detonated, ah. D4 rapidly decomposes to release nitrogen, water, and carbon oxides, as well as other gases. The detonation uh, proceeds at an explosive velocity of 8,092 meters per second, which is 26,550 feet per second. Um, the major advantage of C4 is that it can be easily molded into any desired shape to change the direction of the resulting explosion. C4 has high cutting ability. Yeah, like you can, you can put them into shapes of little animals and put them underneath the, um, trying to kill a gopher. Uh, right. You could try that. If if you're if you're on a golf course and you're trying to get rid of a gopher, that, that right. that's a good point. That's true, especially if uh, 
you know, you look like Bill Murray. And <laughs> uh, what else do we have here? Terrorist groups uh, usually, uh, quite often use C4. Uh, whether you're dealing with uh, domestic or state terrorism, uh, there are some, uh, some I guess, famous or infamous times that, that, that uh, terrorists have used C4. The attack on the USS Cole in October 2000, which killed 17 sailors, they used uh, C4. In 1996, uh, terrorists used C4 to blow up the Cobra Towers in Saudi Arabia. And uh, quite often C4 is used for in improvised explosives uh, uh, devices. What are they? I, IEDs. IEDs, right? Uh, yeah by Iraqi insurgents and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But one of the things about C4 is that it's a relatively safe to carry. And that's why a lot of people use it. You know, you don't have to worry about, about it, uh, uh, blowing up on you as, as we mentioned earlier, which, uh, makes, makes it, I guess, uh, easier or safer to use for, for anyone. Uh, I'm, I'm not giving advice to people to, to what they should use. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't, don't. want the uh, the Johnson agents to come track you down. No, you no, know, no, because you're because you're no relation, <laughs> no, re no relation. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we see that there are all these like little metal pins uh, that are scattered around on the side that uh, McLean has, uh, you know, as he puts down the the C four, and and that's pretty much how the, this minute ends. Did did you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, well, I'm good. All right, so the script has a few interesting things in it. The first is I like the description of the blast. It says, a blast roars from the third floor window, and the shell hits the armored car. The car pitches forward like a beast whose front legs have been shot out from under it, its front axle destroyed, unable to move. Alexander looks back at James and grins. Um, there's also a little bit of, of extra dialogue between... Uh, the SWAT commander and 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 the guys who are injured. He goes, Rivers, Rodriguez, report. So in the movie, they they don't talk about that at all. They they don't they cut out the the response that Rivers gives, which is, "This is Rivers. We've got one dead. Everybody's hit. Rodriguez is bleeding bad. We've got to get the fuck out of here." <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's. It, it's nice to to know that that was in the original script, but it doesn't really change much. No, it's not necessary you know, it, for the movie. Right. I mean, well, the one thing that it does is it, it 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 proves to us that there's that there are fatalities and casualties, you know. But that that's it. But you can assume that by the by the 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 power of the blast that right. that's something that happened. And then it says James opens the box of shells and takes two and starts back across the room. So that's a little strange because we we never see him do that. And then uh, when he puts the the when when McLean puts the C floor C four on the uh, chair. So the description here is like a football. It sits on the seat of a secretary's chair with casters. We pull back to see McLean press three detonators into the top, then cover the explosive with a typewriter, tying it securely in place with electrical cords. And then it says that he opens the door with a fire axe and he he looks in and the top of the car can just be seen 35 floors below. 
So I'm I'm not even going to go into detail as to that. We'll, we'll talk more about that tomorrow, about the fact that he, of what he can see. You know, they never show it to us in in the movie itself. But I like the fact that it's that it's in here. Every Monday we have a segment called uh, Die Hard on a Monday, where my guests will give their top five Die Hard doppelganger movies. So what have you got for us, Brian? Start with your number five and work your way up. Um. All right. Well, number five would be Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. Ooh. Um, I mean, it's not like he's not in one location. He's pretty much on the USA, but uh, <laughs> uh, there is there is a pretty pretty good scene where he busts into a mall that was taken over by the terrorists, and it's pretty much him taking taking all of them out in the mall. Uh, so you know, it's definitely a, got a diehard tone to it. Okay. Um, and in in no particular order of my you know for my two three or my four three and two I should say if I'm going in in reverse order, I really like those Olympus has fallen series or London has fallen or Angel has fallen with Gerard Butler and Morgan mm-hmm. Freeman and Aaron Eckhart. Um, they're all pretty much three of the same movies. I think Olympus has fallen was the first one. Yes, where he's first one was Olympus. And the yeah. second one was London, and London the third and one Angel. was Angel. Yep. And I, I, I think I like the, you know, the fact that they were in the White House because that, that's more of a diehard ripoff because they're in one location uh, for most of that. Um, so that's that would probably be my number two. And then, you know, but but again, they're all pretty much the same movie. I just really like them. <laughs> they're, de- they're definitely – and Jar Butler's good for those type of things. But um, probably my number one – Well, one second, one second, one second. Since I'm, sure, since sure. I'm giving points for each of them, so you got to oh, tell okay. me which one you want right, to so, do. All right, so I'll do it. I'll do it. So this is how I had it. Angel Has Fallen is number four. Okay. London Has Fallen is number uh, three. And Olympus Has Fallen would be number two. So in other uh, words, what you're saying here is is that as the movies went on, went on, they got they were less and less yeah uh, they were just interesting more, yeah I mean they tried to be broader and bigger but I like the original conceit of hey the they even did White House Down at around the same time and yeah um, they both came out in, in 2013 I wasn't really I don't even know if I've actually I must have seen it but I I like um I like Olympus Has Fallen better <laughs> but I, uh, I agree I I like it so much better. I, I actually re- I recently rewatched it like a month and a half ago, and I, I really enjoyed it again. Yeah, yeah. It, it's fun. It's it's a good movie. Yeah, I don't and, uh, London and Angel. I I didn't like as much. They they weren't as fun. I like them, but you know I like that stuff. But yeah, it's 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 less and less uh, each time. But I can still watch them. You know. Okay, uh, that's fair. And then uh, then my number one is uh, Under Siege. I really like that one. Oh, Navy, that's a good one. I mean, Navy SEAL on a boat taking out a bunch of terrorists and and uh traitors <laughs> what's not is to it, love is that a problem for a marine to to like a uh movie about navy seals nah it's all it's fine they're they're, they're okay in their own right no it's a fun movie yeah it's one it's one of seagal's better movies too you know it's it's my it's my favorite seagal movie for sure i yeah, I think so too. I mean, I like I like like Hard to Kill. It's stupid, but I like it. But um, yeah, Under Siege is probably his best. Yeah, I I, I think I also like the fact it was the first time that they actually made him cut his hair. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he got rid of that stupid ponytail. <laughs> the ponytail, yeah. Yep. That's my list. All right, great, excellent. So you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm I'm currently doing a a 
a podcast with my um, daughter, and it's called Hamilton Shot by Shot, where we go through song by song of uh, the musical Hamilton, and that can be found at uh, Hamilton Shot by Shot on Facebook and Instagram, and then uh, Hamilton underscore SBS on Twitter. All right, excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go re- review and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Own Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, which is moveyourobminute.com. So, Brian, you feel like coming back again tomorrow and uh, seeing if the quarterback is still uh, is is toasted enough, or maybe we need to to toast him a little more. Oh, you know it. I'm I'm coming back. All right. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay. Yippee-ki-yay.